Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of Compassion and Courage, Conversations in Healthcare. I'm your host, Marcus Engel. This is the podcast where I teach compassionate communication, provide perspective, and inspire resilience. Today, I'm super excited to bring to you Dr. Brian Sexton. And Brian, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for taking the time to, to be with me today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, I'm excited to have you because uh, we, we I don't think we actually met in Boston at the Patient Experience Symposium a few months ago, but I got to hear you present, and I thought anybody who can crunch hard data with Game of Thrones references is somebody <laughs> that I would really like to have on the podcast. So welcome, and uh, and I I'd love to I'd love to get into some of your background and such. Can you give us your your uh, some of your bona fides and what you do sure. and sure. How, what, what you were doing at the uh, patient experience symposium. Well, I have kind of a weird uh, history. Uh, so I, I'm a psychologist uh, faculty here at Duke in the Department of Psychiatry, uh, and I do well-being research uh, for uh, healthcare workers, like looking at how burned out healthcare workers are, how we measure that, but also how we can address it, interventions to, to help alleviate burnout. Um, and my history uh, is a circuitous one. I, I started off my career doing flight safety, uh, like looking at why planes crash and uh, got really bored. Uh, it takes something like 7 million departures for there to be a fatality. Um, and uh, whereas you can camp outside a, an emergency room anywhere in the country uh, for uh, in a couple of days. And, you know, like one out of 10 to one out of four people who go through, you know, uh, our healthcare system experience some form of untoward event. Uh, and we're we're trying to kind of uh, do a better job of uh, of eliminating those those undesirable outcomes. Uh, so as a young researcher, I kind of shifted away from flight safety and moved into patient safety. Uh, and to make a long story short, uh, we figured out over time that patient safety starts with the well-being of the healthcare workers. And rather than give them new checklists and new projects and new quality improvement initiatives, uh, we should make sure we're putting gas back in their tank so that they can do what they got into healthcare to do in the first place, which was deliver safe and, and evidence-based care. What a crazy concept, right? right? That, our, that, our, that our patient safety improves, that our patient's experiences improve if the caregivers are well taken care of, happy, satisfied, engaged, right? What a crazy concept. Yeah. <laughs> and I say that obviously uh, facetiously, but that's not this. This is while it seems like it, it, it's it's very understandable and basic. It, it, this is not yet caught on everywhere. True. Yeah. And and I mean, it was it was a uh, quite a, an effort to just to get people to focus on patient safety kind of in the late 90s, and as we transitioned into kind of 2003, 4, and 5, uh, we had, um, you know, the Institute of Medicine, now the National Academy of Medicine, uh, the, the IOM report came out basically saying somewhere between 44,000 and 98,000, you know, uh, Americans die every every year from, you know, medical error. We're not really sure what the exact number is because we don't measure it very well. We don't track it very effectively. And and at the time, in the late 90s, there was there weren't journals dedicated to patient safety. There weren't budgets dedicated to patient safety officers or training for patient safety officers. We didn't have um, you know, path, career pathways for people interested in patient safety or, or patient uh, related, you know, quality improvement. Um, 
Whereas today, you're hard pressed to find a hospital that doesn't have a patient safety officer, right, or a process to deal with, you know, uh, undesirable, you know, outcomes for for patients. Um, so there's been a lot of progress in a relatively short period of time, and I kind of look at the well-being journey in a similar light. Um, but we we can't take 20 years to figure out the well-being the way we took 20 years to figure out patient safety and patient-centered care. Um, I think we have to kind of accelerate our learning a little bit for this most recent uh, kind of uh, Pandora's box of of healthcare workforce well-being. So, so you've done some cool stuff at Duke, and that's what I was hoping you could share with with the audience today um, on well-being of the caregivers. And and so, can you give us a little synopsis, uh, maybe a thumbnail sketch of what I what I got to hear you? discuss in Boston? Yeah. So, um, uh, I, you know, first of all, let me just say I, I'm a big fan of things like yoga and meditation. I've, I've taken, uh, multiple, uh, mindfulness, you know, courses myself, uh, and, and uh, you, you can pick up great tools from those sources, but those are heavy lifts. Those are hard things to do. Diet, exercise, yoga, and meditation, they all work and they're all very hard to do, right? They take effort. They take, they take energy and initiation energy, which is exactly what we don't have when we're burned out, right? Uh, it's hard to do heavy things or to lift heavy things when you're kind of just, your battery is low. And uh, what we started doing back in 2014 was uh, we, we, we sifted through over 200 different interventions to find uh, ones that met our kind of bite-sized criteria and bite-sized for us meant it's brief, simple, you feel the benefit right away and the benefits endure. You don't just feel better for an afternoon, but you also feel better you know, six months and 12 months later. And we started doing randomized controlled trials on healthcare workers to show that, yeah, we can use these bite-sized strategies to cause improvements in well-being that come relatively quickly and endure for a long time. Um, and so that's that was the genesis of it. Um, uh, we've we've now expanded the, the the number of interventions from from just a handful at first to now we have over twenty unique bite sized interventions. And these are things like cultivating relationships or cultivating gratitude or cultivating a sense of awe and wonder in the world around you. Or um, we have one for sleep. We have one for work life balance. There's lots of different options to choose from, but none of them take much initiation energy and, and they're all evidence-based. And it gives, I think, healthcare workers that are just feeling kind of downtrodden uh, an opportunity to choose a well-being adventure for themselves that resonates. That's like, oh, you know, uh, you know, introverts and extroverts might seek out different types of interventions or different ways of spending their time to cultivate well-being. And uh, with every year that goes by, we kind of expand the list of options that they have to choose from. And I think that's where the science is exciting. So, so what do, what, what's your findings? So um, first of all, we know that the pandemic you know, was associated with quite um, an, a, you know, a, a blow to the chin for well-being. Uh, we, we saw, um, emotional exhaustion rates went up about nine uh, percentage points, which is a lot. That's it's, it's rare that we've seen, uh, well, we've never seen an increase like that before. Um, but to have it increase so much so quickly was that, you know, to use that wonderful pandemic word, it was, it was unprecedented. Mm -hmm. Um, so nine point increase from before the pandemic to now. Um, but we know we can cause emotional exhaustion to go back down 
using these buy side strategies by uh, 10, 12, 13, 14 points is our most recent uh, uh, intervention, 14 point reduction. That's, that's, you know, we, so. Amazing what, is what, what that is. Yeah, what took three years for the pandemic, we can do in 10 days with bite-sized interventions. Uh, and that gives me hope. I, I can, I can clarify too, what, what the interventions are. Um, for example, uh, we have, we have a, a one for self-compassion, which is uh, that, that, uh, that, that voice in your head that's sometimes unfriendly and uh, not very uh, uh, helpful to us. Uh, we, we've actually using a 10 minute long, it's like a seven to 10 minute long intervention with, you know, one time, one dose of self-compassion for seven to 10 minutes uh, uh, prompts what, what we call emotional recovery, you know, your ability to bounce back after upheaval quite substantially. Uh, and the intervention looks like this. We ask people to uh, uh, spend that seven to 10 minutes writing themselves uh, a letter um, as if they were writing it to a friend, because you would never talk to a friend the way you talk to yourself in your own head. Uh, and, and that simple shift really recalibrates the way you kind of uh, process and think about things that are happening in your, in your life and, and uh, uh, provides a, a, a surprising amount of, of therapeutic effect, especially given that it's such a short term thing. You do it one time for seven minutes and we can measure changes in you, um, you know, a week later and a month later. And uh, that's exciting. Um, but if you're not, if, if, if that's not your jam, you know, we have ones where you um, uh, uh, cultivate on wonder that could be uh, watching a, a really good sleight of hand or looking at uh, scenes from nature, looking at images from the uh, James Webb Space Telescope or or, or scenes from kind of national parks that just kind of inspire uh, a sense of, of awe and wonder. And that too has a recalibrating effect for your well-being. It helps you to kind of put, you know, recharge that battery and, uh, and, and, and experience some recovery after emotional upheaval. Um, we have similar things for sleep hygiene and for work-life balance and for, uh, you know, uh, cultivating relationships cultivating gratitude. So there's lots of options to choose from that any one of them doesn't take very long, but together they give you quite, you know, an arsenal of, of options to kind of address this kind of assault on our, on our wellness. I, I got really excited when you talk about writing yourself a letter for self-compassion. That's, that's very much in the vein of the narrative medicine work oh, yeah. that I get to get to help caregivers um, utilize to help with their compassion, fatigue, burnout, exhaustion, et cetera. Yeah. And, and it is like you said, I, I sit there thinking it's, it's so low maintenance, right? The biggest, the biggest cost to you is seven or 10 minutes because anybody can sit there and write a letter. We, we spend how many probably uh, elapsed hours per day typing out messages on our phone. Why can't we sit down for the good of our, our, our psyche and our soul and our, our mind and write a 10 minute letter to ourselves about how, how we're experiencing things and hopefully processing some of that. Um, I, yeah. I always base a lot of what I do on the work of James Pennebaker and the, the therapeutic writing to heal processes. It's, it's amazing how much, uh, how much benefit you can get from just a, a small, as you said, intervention. Yeah. 
Marcus, you're, you're, you're well-informed, my friend, because, uh, so Jamie Pennebaker was uh, one of my mentors in graduate school. Uh, oh, wonderful. I learned okay. a lot from him. He was also my wife's uh, advisor, graduate advisor. Um, he, he's a character. I, I love, I love Jamie and his work is really profound. And, and, uh, and again, uh, you know, he's shown that, you know, using, um, three or four doses of kind of, you know, 15 minutes worth of 20 or 20 minutes worth of writing, uh, you get these treatment level effects, these therapeutic effects for your, for your well being. And in that case, it can be everything from sleep quality to, uh, PTSD symptoms to, to depression and, and anxiety. Um, those are really neat interventions. Um, that's, we, we've done a lot of that in healthcare workers. We've used his expressive writing kind of techniques in healthcare workers and they like it. They like the opportunity. What, what is diff, what I find to be difficult even today is to get, is to convince healthcare workers that they need to stop and take time for themselves and so there's this ever shrinking window of how long we have of their attention span or how much time they're willing to give to do something for themselves. Um, and, and that's why this, the, the, you can take the concept of bite size too far, um, but we, we're, we're still learning how to make it engaging and interesting, but, but also keeping it evidence-based and keeping it um, uh, uh, a meaningful amount or meaningful dose of time. Uh, and that's, that's ongoing work that we're doing, you know, uh, at Duke and, and, you know, it gives me a lot of hope because signs point to, this is just going to get better. It's just going to get more, uh, evidence behind it. And we're going to have more options for people to choose from as time goes on. It, it is an exciting thing. I, I thought that, uh, in healthcare overall today, it seems like exhaustion, burnout, compassion fatigue, you know, lack of engagement, all those things um, are, are prevalent. Yes. Your, your findings here give hope and make me think that there is going to be a way out of, out of this for caregivers and systems alike. Yeah, I, I, I believe that science braces to meet the needs of the moment and, uh, um, you know, uh, in the uh, in the sprint, you know, uh, uh, the pandemic kind of did did some did some real damage to our wellness. But in the marathon, science is going to win, uh, uh, and and I'm and that uh, that gives me a lot of comfort. Uh, and it's not it's not just our work. It's it's you know, there's fantastic work on this at, at Mayo and at Stanford and, uh, and at Dartmouth, and um, um, so that that. Knowing the characters involved in this adventure, uh, it you know, there, there's a I think there's reason to just be optimistic about what the future holds for well-being. We do need to be patient because making it scalable and making it more accessible and making it more evidence-based those things take time. But um, uh, you know, uh, science is on our side. Uh, we're gonna get there. We're going to get there. We, I, uh, you know, I, I read in your bio that one of the things that you that you like is audible books. Very Same nice. thing with me. And currently, I'm reading "The Singularity Is Near" by Ray Kurzweil. Ooh, yeah. And it is it is really gives me a lot of hope for the future that um, that we're not on the path, global path to destruction, but again, that science and technology and nanotechnology and genetics and robotics are going to win out. And we are going to actually see this idyllic future that that is possible right now, but it might be 
hard to see it. So uh, that was just yeah. what I thought of at that time. What are you What are you currently reading right now? What am I currently reading? Uh, yeah. I let me see. You're going to make me uh, look because uh, I just started something new. Uh, what did I just start? <laughs> I'm opening Audible uh, here while we're doing the recording. Um, oh, I just downloaded, this is, I'm going to make this political, uh, Marcus. I just downloaded Enough by Cassidy Hutchinson. Um, okay. Uh, so we'll see. I haven't, I haven't started it yet, but uh, that's, that's, that's next in my queue. I'm not familiar, so I'm going to have to Google that after we, after we talk. Um, well, she, she, had, she, she testified in the January 6th committee and. Uh, gotcha. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Now we're now picking Cassidy up on Hutchinson. the name. Okay. Yeah. yeah good deal. Good deal. So, so I don't know if you know this, but one of the, I, I, one of my roles, I get to teach pre-meds at Notre Dame and nice. their first assignment of the semester, um, they're always posed with a question that is based upon my experience, my story. Okay. And that is that the, the night that they rolled me into the ER, there was a 20 year old patient care tech who held my hand the whole night mm. and uh, gave me the most comfort she could simply by saying, I'm here. And yeah. I always, my, my message is that simple human presence is the cornerstone of, of caregiving. And so the, the, the first writing, reflection writing for the, for the semester is for the students to share about a time that someone has been there for them mm. at, or that they have been there for another. And so whenever I give you that idea for a writing prompt, does something spring to mind about a time that someone has been there for you or that you have been there for another person during their suffering? Um, yeah. Um, uh, first of all, I love that you're doing that, uh, with, with medical students, we should all, you know, be given these kinds of, uh, uh, reflective prompts to, to make sure that we're, we're kind of growing at those important uh, times. Let me, uh, just say, uh, uh, I have done, uh, I have used the, uh, the expressive writing prompt on myself a number of times. Uh, so often that I've probably uh, I've probably done this activity maybe three dozen times mm -hmm. uh, myself, and for the last kind of five times, it's always been my wife. Uh, my wife is a, a therapist. Everyone should be married to a therapist um, if they were if they're lucky. Uh, and um, uh, you know it, what's what's interesting is I haven't shared it with her, um, mm. but in listening to you now, I'm like yeah, I should probably. Should probably go back and grab those those writings and and package them up and make them make them a holiday gift to her is there a specific instance when she's been there for you that comes to mind um, it's kind of hard i know whenever you're married for a while and you've got kids and family to pick out a single time but yeah um you know you you could you could talk about you know when when you're when you're dating or when you're kind of getting to know each other and and just feeling seen and heard um uh, uh but really uh, i i think that for me right now uh what is it that she's done uh that that's so amazing is she's willing to keep um uh working with me so that i can be a better listener and i can be more present and, and that's after, you know, 20 plus years. Um, uh, so uh, she, I, I, I just have so much appreciation for what she does. 
I hear you. I hear you. Whenever I am doing these kinds of, of activities and think of something that you're grateful for, you know, think of five things that you're grateful for. Well, mm -hmm. the five things are always my wife, all five, <laughs> all five <laughs> will be my wife. Yeah. And it's not just because she might listen to this recording. No, not right. And it's not just because she's sitting here. That's truly what I do. <laughs> <laughs> what, um, what else in healthcare is on the horizon that makes you hopeful or excited? Oh yeah. There's some really neat research, Marcus, that's, that's, uh, uh, that we're, that we're, we're doing it right now. Um, uh, looking at what are called well-being profiles. So, you know, we can measure just like you have a personality profile, mm -hmm. um, the, you, you have a well-being profile that um, would predispose you to do some things for your well-being, but perhaps not other things for your well-being and being able to tailor well-being interventions to the need of an individual using their well-being profile. That's a, that's an exciting area of research in the future. Right right now, we can do something really simple where we we kind of know how hard a given intervention is for someone to do. Um, and, and, and basically right now it's, it's, it's how severe is your burnout and the more severe your burnout, the more we give you very, very, very simple things to do. And if you're just kind of moderately burned out or not very burned out at all, we can give you more, more difficult things. I'll give you an example. Like gratitude's a really easy thing to do. You can be super crispy and pause and, and do a seven minute kind of dose of gratitude and feel, and feel better for, for anywhere from four to six weeks, which is great. So seven minutes, you know, two months of benefit. Um, uh, it's, and it's pretty straightforward and easy. There's there are other interventions like humor, like cultivating humor and amusement and seeing the irony in a situation that it's harder to do. It's not as easy uh, to kind of activate humor in people that are really crispy. So uh, we, we basically uh, right now can, can guide different levels of burnout to different like levels of, of difficulty in well-being interventions. But in the future, in the near future, we'll ask you a quick set of maybe eight to 10 questions provide you with a profile of your well-being and then recommend specific interventions based on your profile. That is exciting. That is exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Watch this space for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll do. I'm going to have to look into that a little bit more. And so I guess, I guess my, my last real question for you is, is if you had the, the opportunity to have the world's largest billboard on the world's <laughs> tallest mountain. What's your, what's the message that you would broadcast to all of humanity? <sighs> what is the message uh, for, for all of humanity? Boy, that's, um, that's an interesting one. Let me, let me, I, I would have to say, uh, you know, uh, um, the, the, the bullet point would be something like it's going to be okay. And then the sub bullet is going to be uh, because science is going to fix all of this. Mm. Mm. Trust in science. Science is going to fix all of this. Yeah. I like it. I like it. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, Brian, thank you so much for, for taking the time with me today. This is, this has been exciting and, uh, I love it whenever I get to laugh during a podcast too. So thank you so much for your, for your time and your wisdom and your insight. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me.
Absolutely. Thank you so much. And thank you listeners for being with us on this episode of Compassion and Courage, Conversations in Healthcare. I'm your host, Marcus Engel. Again, this is the podcast where I teach compassionate communication, provide perspective, and inspire resilience. Please visit MarcusEngel.com for keynote speaking needs, compassion consulting, uh, book signings, all of those kind of fun things. And we will see you all next time on Compassion Anchor. Thank you.